0: This program is made possible by the members and donors to the show. For details, visit the membership tab at bestoftheleft.com. Now, welcome to the award-winning Best of the Left podcast, with clips today from The Jimmy Dore Show, The David Pakman Show, Howdyland.com, The Young Turks, Counterspin, MarkFiore.com, The Majority Report, The Onion Radio News, and The Rachel Maddow Show. And a note for our more sensitive listeners, this episode may sting just a bit, but it will all be over soon.
1: I just got these clips right before I came to the studio to record. I was watching Fox Business News with Neil Cavuto, who does a great job. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, he was interviewing the founder uh, of Home Depot, right? He's a big Republican backer, the founder of Home Depot. And they were talking about the home, uh, about... The Supreme Court decision, and here's what he said: The business leaders are are going to are, are going to do. Here's how the business leaders are going to respond to the healthcare decision.
2: From the businessman's standpoint, I had lunch with a group of business people today, and when I got back, I spoke to other business people, and they all said the same thing: Look, we're not going to do anything. We're not moving. We're not going to hire any more people. We're not interested just, in just crea- because No one this? is creating- just because of this. Yeah, nobody, because of the taxes, we're showing to no, roll in or what? Well, it's because of the total uncertainty of what's happening in Washington.
1: Uh, okay. <laughs> yeah. okay, so there's the there's the BS canard again of uh, we're not going to hire anymore because of this health care bill, because of the uncertainty. But guess what? You just got certainty. Yes. This health care bill is the law of the land. It's not going to be repealed. It is constitutional. Although,
3: I don't know if you might have this somewhere else, but Rand Paul, did you hear what he said? No. He, he said... Just because a few people on the Supreme Court say it's not, that doesn't mean that it's that it's constitutional. You've got to be kidding me! <laughs> oh, You've got to be Frank, kidding he totally me! totally said that. Frank, yes. Where did you
1: see that? You got to call me and tell me <laughs> oh. to get that. <laughs> And so they have certainty now. So this bill that was passed two years ago has now been deemed constitutional. So there is certainty, and even Neil Cavuto recognizes that. And, but he doesn't want to step on this guy's toes too hard because he's got a lot of money, and Neil doesn't mm-hmm. like to make those people uncomfortable. No, so no. here's what Neil Cavuto says to this guy. he kind of He kind of hedges and kind of says, you know what, though? There is certainty. What do you say to that
2: now? You like a sense of assurance or something... That you know is coming down the pike. This was a big old question mark. I guess for the time being, Bernie, less of a question mark. But what do you make of that? That at least there's no doubt now.
1: So there it is. So at least there's no doubt now. There's no question mark. You guys wanted certainty. You got certainty, Bernie. And here's what the founder of Home Depot has to say back. The guy who says we're not going to hire anybody. Here's what he has to say. Now we have certainty.
2: Yeah, I would. I would say that most business people are going on the basis that nothing is going to happen that in fact Obamacare is going to be in look if Romney is elected he's got to have a Democratic House and he's got to have a Democratic Senate, a a Republican House and a Republican Senate. If he doesn't have the Senate and the House Uh, It's not going to be refuted. So
1: I don't know if you noticed he's not answering the question. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you noticed that. So Neil Cavuto said, "Well, this whole canard that you guys been saying about Mm -hmm. you got to have certainty, you got to have certainty. Well, now we do have certainty. There's no doubt." And he says, "Yes, we're all we are accepting it's going to be Obamacare." So are you guys going to stop doing business? You guys aren't going to do business anymore? This whole idea that businessmen need certainty before Mm -hmm. they will invest their money, that's what risk is called. That's what business is all about, risk. Right. That's why you reward risk. That's why it's called risk. It's not I'm going to certainty my money. I'm going to risk my money in the business. Go ahead. Besides,
3: there are always – you know, hiring people outside a Home Depot. <laughs> so, <laughs> <laughs> every time
4: I go there, somebody's
3: yeah. standing around. It's full
2: of people.
4: It's full I of... try to get jobs. He makes I... he makes the he makes business people sound so childish. We didn't win this mandate. So we're not going to hire anybody else. I don't care.
3: People, customers come in and they want stuff and we don't have enough people to
1: wait on them. That's too bad. (laughs) (laughs)
4: Because you know, the service at Home Depot is, we don't even
1: want to sell anything. That's how mad we are. (laughs) That's exactly, Frank, my point. That's exactly business. Again. It has nothing to do with certainty. It has nothing to do with uncertainty. It has nothing to do with the tax structure. It has to do with uh, when businesses hire people mm-hmm. when their demand goes up for their goods or services. Right. They hire people. They fire people when demand for their goods or services goes down. I think and Franklin Delano Roosevelt understood this theory of, econ- of uh, uh, economics was demand side economics was you put money into the pockets of working people. It creates a demand in the economy and that creates a stronger economy.
3: Can- can we
5: all just celebrate the fact that we, the door is now open for us to be unable to afford health care?
3: <laughs> Uncertainty causes uh, rich people to buy more luxury items uncertainty does it, and more houses and yes. uh, invest in foreign bank accounts things like that you know it,
1: you know henry ford understood this henry ford understood that i got the guys who make my car have to be able to afford to buy the car or we're not going to mm. be able to sell enough cars to make a big company and so mm. this has nothing to
4: do with anything for this guy He's, if he has 40 hour a week employees, he's still required to give them health insurance right he was yesterday, he he's, is today he, he nothing is. has changed nothing
1: has changed nothing has changed but oh.
3: you know what it's and he's saying that everything hinges on Romney um, getting elected and, and Romney it's is kind of like right now a guy who who saw Bruce Springsteen in a club when he first started performing and now everybody else is talking about Bruce Springsteen but he can't say I was there first. Oh, you, know, you mean with the healthcare? with the right. health care like he came up with all this stuff and he can't admit it you know if,
1: you know they really screwed themselves yeah. just because they hated Barack Obama you know uh, instead of saying look we work together we got this health care mm, done uh, we got it done on a Republican basis we don't have to have a big government right. takeover like oh, they could still paint Obama a as really a socialist. That's a really good point is, is that if they could have said, if look, if we weren't with, there, we'd have socialism. But now right. we've got real health care We've healthcare got report. this
3: moderate health care yeah. that we wanted, and, and it, it could have been a victory for them. For that's, them. That's and a Mitt, great point. And Mitt yeah. Romney
1: could run on this health care yeah. bill as opposed to Barack Obama because they would say this isn't his health care uh-huh. bill. He wants to have uh, Medicare. He wants the government to run it, and mm-hmm. we saved you. Mm-hmm. I think it's a, they totally misplayed this right, one. They totally right. misplayed this yeah. one.
5: It's funny, too, that a, a Republican is trying to uh, unseat somebody by hiding his Democratic past And he he wants to unseat a Democrat who just keeps acting like a Republican.
6: Yeah.
5: And everybody already knows. Everybody already knows that Romney had the health care bill. Everybody's pretending that they don't know because if he denies it, it's like it never happened. Right.
6: Something's happening on the streets. It's not what I hear, no. It's just what I see. Something's happening
7: at the bar Cause happy hour only gets you so far Oh me,
5: oh my Okay, yesterday Lewis was talking about people who are against Obamacare that actually benefit from Obamacare. Wendell Potter, author of Deadly Spin, who's been a guest on this show multiple times, wrote a fantastic article on Huffington Post, and he actually talks about Mary Brown. Mary Brown gave her name to the National Federation of Independent Business lawsuit, uh, uh... to the National Federation of Independent Business, who filed the lawsuit arguing that Obamacare was unconstitutional. And uh, the NFIB Legal Center said Mary Brown firmly believes that no one should have the right to tell her she has to use her own money to pay for health insurance. Well, it turns out that Brown shuttered her business and filed for personal bankruptcy. And among her debts were $4,500 in medical bills. More than 2,000 of that was owed to the Bay Medical Center in Panama City. The rest was to doctors all over uh, the, the South, Florida, Alabama, Mississippi. So what did the NFIB do? They scrambled to find someone else who wasn't declaring bankruptcy with medical bills to say I am going to fi- uh, use my name to file this lawsuit. So this is a perfect example. Now, let's be clear. Brown claims that the medical bills themselves were not the reason for filing uh for bankruptcy. However, it's at least part of it because one of her debts that she couldn't pay was for medical bills. Right. So it's people like this who have decided not to buy coverage, who still end up getting sick or getting injured, then they seek medical care, then they don't have the money to pay for it. The services have already been provided, now it's an IOU. We talk about debt, we talk about fiscal conservatism in this country. What about this? Nobody's talking about the conservatives who refuse to buy health care because it's their right and then end up getting these uh a uh, uh, debt accu- the, the debt accumulates and they owe the money. This is the same this is this is a problem, ladies and gentlemen. And now Mary Brown, who sued to get rid of Obamacare, would probably have been in much better shape had Obamacare been in place at the time.
8: Absolutely. I'm sure I'm sure if we
0: scoured the country, we would find hundreds of examples, if not more, uh of situations
5: like this. It's the epitome of voting against your own interests. Yeah.
8: A little-known provision in the Affordable Care Act goes into effect today. The hands-off-your-Medicare clause inserted by conservative senators immediately before the bill's passage eliminates all federal assistance to individuals choosing to opt out of the program. Healthcare expert Palmer Winiver.
1: It's uh, no harm
3: done. Win-win kind of deal. <laughs> Get my point?
8: Several thousand elderly, morbidly obese Texans, angry over the Supreme Court's recent decision, are already being led away for extra pie. Shame, bone loads of shame.
9: mother Jones wrote an excellent piece about how GlaxoSmithKline gave incredible perks to physicians in order to overprescribe some of their drugs and also prescribe their drugs for off-label uses that were not approved by the FDA now one of the drugs that GlaxoSmithKline launched is something known as Advair and one of the things that they marketed for is asthma medication well uh, I want to show you a video of them launching the product in Vegas in 2001 and it gives you an idea of what kind of environment they, c- they create for these physicians let's watch Ready for
1: this? Who wants to be a millionaire? Let's. The more you sell, the more you make. There are people in this room who are going to make an ungodly sum of money selling Advair. That's the way it should be. God bless America. Free enterprise is a
10: wonderful concept.
11: So uh, the person speaking there was Adverse Product Manager Jim Daly. Uh, he was talking to physicians about making money. Now the problem is they were making money by selling drugs that the FDA was telling them don't sell it for that purpose. It's not authorized for that purpose. In fact, uh, they it was supposed to be a first-line therapy for mild asthma patients. That's just flat out what it was supposed to be. Let alone the uh, the uses that they put. Uh, that it wasn't supposed to be for and the FDA had flatly rejected it giving it a black black box warning that deaths had halted the clinical trials. So yes. here he is saying, you know, God bless free enterprise. Let's sell this thing
9: that might kill people. Yay! This story immediately caught my attention especially because it had to do with Advair. I was prescribed Advair because I had a chronic cough a few years ago. What is, how is Advair going to help a chronic cough? And I mean, I'm, I was young. I mean, I don't know. I'm not going to research the drug. The doctor said take it, and I took it, and it did absolutely nothing for my chronic cough. By now,
11: the way. speaking of the young, uh, they wanted to push off-label uses. Now the FDA made it very clear: you cannot use this if you're under 18. Do not prescribe it to that. Well, how do they get beyond that? They, in Boston, for example, on a yacht called Tranquillity, they would bring doctors on and they would give them all these perks, and then they would bring in child psychiatrists, say, "Now, if you did want to prescribe it to people under 18, these are all the lovely benefits of it. I mean, the FDA doesn't agree, of course, but you could do it anyway, and by the way, you're on a yacht, and if you'd like, we can give you a massage. By the way, literally.
9: Yeah. So let me tell you some of the perks that they received. A decades worth of physicians' kickbacks, physician kickbacks, fraudulent marketing, and various other kinds of legal and ethical boundaries have been breached, which is why they settled this case with the Department of Justice for $3 billion. Also, they would give doctors basketball tickets, GlaxoSmithKline sponsored yacht trips, payments made to Dr. Drew Pinsky. Which is interesting, and also deep tissue massages. Um, also uh when it came to the Paxel Forum, they held that in Puerto Rico, Hawaii, and California. And it included deep sea fishing, kayaking, snorkeling, sailing, horseback riding, and balloon rides.
11: Uh now those were all the different places they would have it, so that you know, you'd be like, Oh, would you like to come to Hawaii and go kayaking with us? If you know, if you play ball and you happen to prescribe it off label, and we all get rich, the doctor gets rich, we get rich, and if the you know client happens to suffer, well, sad day for them. They didn't make it on the yacht trip. By the way, the list is endless: NASCAR races, Knicks games, Celtics games, tennis lessons, Crosby Stills and Nash tickets, pheasant hunting. Okay, all the ways they would bribe the doctors to do this to their own patients.
9: One of the GlaxoSmithKline employees wrote in an email to his sales team that they needed to focus on the return of investment. And he wrote For the return of investment, it's imperative only key customers, referring to physicians, attend these valuable venues.
11: Now, do you understand why they do that? If you don't play ball, you don't get to go to the basketball game. I mean, the Celtics games are very expensive. That's the one they were referring to in that particular instance. So if we're going to get a good return on investment from you and you're going to pedal this to all your patients, whether they need it or not, then you get the tickets to the Celtics game. If you're not going to do that, then you don't get to go to the game.
9: Yeah. And another thing that I found really interesting is, is that within their employees, there was one 23 year old veteran of the company by the name of Greg Thrope. He'd been
11: there for 23 yeah. years. He's a sales rep, okay? So he's a senior guy, he's been selling all this time. And then he says this
9: He got contacted not by a physician, but by a physician's assistant demanding the following. Number one, a 65 minute deep tissue massage. Two, a 60 minute Colorado cleansing facial, which I don't know what that is, but it sounds interesting. And number three, a 30 minute foot reflexology. And four, a pedicure and a French manicure. He was so outraged by this that he wrote in the email where he was complaining, I want to promote the benefits of my products, but this even sickens me.
11: He's saying basically, look, I'm willing to do a lot of things. But we've gone so far, even I'm repulsed by this. Now, my, one of my favorite parts was uh, in 2006, Arkansas's Medicaid uh, program had restricted the coverage of how you would cover this because you had to give a warning saying, hey, you might not need this. And in fact, they had shone, shown through trials that that was more effective. It didn't hurt anybody, and it only got to the patients that it needed to get to. So obviously, they had to eliminate this because it helped. Patients, but it hurt their bottom line. Right. So what do they do? They uh, basically give an untold sum of money, campaign donations, to an Arkansas lawmaker, and then he introduces legislation to make sure that the patients are not protected, but the profits of GlaxoSmithKline are protected. Because as I tell you over and over, he doesn't work for you. He works for them. They're the ones who pay his campaign donations. And then you get this great quote from a glasgow smith client employee god save political donations
4: The debate over healthcare policy in 2009 wasn't exactly undercovered, but one thing that should have received more attention didn't. The single payer option, which would essentially extend Medicare to all citizens and make the U.S. healthcare system more like that of other developed countries. Funny, then, to see single-payer get more attention after the Supreme Court mostly endorsed Obamacare. Washington Post columnist Richard Cohen on July 9th put it plainly. This new law is a total mess, quote, not because it is even modestly socialist, but because it is not socialist enough. A government-run healthcare system, such as the ones used in virtually all the industrialized world, the so-called single-payer system, would have been the way to go. Instead, we have a system in which private insurance companies will abuse doctors doctors, and patients alike in the cause of profit, Close quote. Well, huh, this seems to be the first time Richard Cohen has even mentioned single-payer ever. Where was he during that long, often painful debate over health care? He wrote a few columns. In one, he wrote that the bill looks as pretty as hope. It is a start. Did that bill suddenly get much worse? Perhaps. But the real point here is that single-payer should have been a part of that health care debate all along. It's a little late now to tell people that there was a better solution at hand.
12: On June 29th, NPR's morning edition wanted to talk to a small business owner who was worried about the new health care law. So they talked to someone named Joe Olivo, who said the new law would prevent him from hiring new workers because he'd pay a hefty penalty. Now, NPR could have pointed out that this was unlikely. More importantly, they could have told listeners that Olivo isn't just a printing press owner. As noted by the blog Balloon Juice, he's the vice chair of the New Jersey Leadership Council of the National Federation of Independent Businesses. And who are they? The business group that sued to overturn Obamacare. But NPR never told listeners about this rather relevant fact. Oliva was back on NPR a few days later, this time telling all things considered about the likely damage to his business if the minimum wage were to be raised. Again, no mention of his ties to the NFIB, but the group's chief economist was the segment's other guest. So listeners got two comments from the same right-leaning business group, they just didn't know it.
6: suddenly feeling nervous, enraged, and excitable.
13: Are your feelings that others are out to get you increasing exponentially?
6: Feeling confused and disoriented as to why 30 million additional Americans should be insured?
13: Then it's time you asked your doctor about Republiblis. With its powerful combination of conspiracy, libertarianism, and imagination, you'll feel confident and self-assured in no time. Go ahead.
6: Get back to living your life and doing the things you really enjoy.
13: Republiclis blocks any of your vestigial concern for the poor or uninsured, and replaces it with a love
6: of insurance company profits. Republiclis releases a powerful neural attractant, drawing you to like-minded free market thinkers who
13: know that if we use enough of Republiclis's patented magical pixie dust, insurers and pharmaceutical companies will make everything all right.
6: And until then. Republicless frees you from painful facts with a fast-acting numerical truthless formula.
13: Because you don't need health coverage for your child with a pre-existing condition, reasonable premiums, a lower deficit, and an insurance company that sticks with you when you get sick.
6: You need Republicless, your patented conservative formula for an imaginary problem that will magically disappear. Extensive clinical trials have shown that long-term, short-term, or any-term use of Republiblis will kill you or those around you.
13: Talk to your doctor about Republiblis today.
10: So, Mitt Romney is in Israel. And not only does he say that there's a cultural problem with the Palestinians that keeps them from having such a good GDP, but he also said this our health care costs are completely out of control, speaking of the Americans. And you know what? I mean, I guess this is the time where. People say, hey, whoa, 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 I thought you were the no apology guy. Why are you going over to Israel and dissing our health care? We're number one. He goes on to say, Do you realize what healthcare spending is as a percentage of GDP in Israel? Eight percent. You spend eight percent of GDP on health care. And you're a pretty healthy nation. We we spend 18% of our GDP on healthcare. Ten percentage points more. I'll tell you, for a guy who thinks that Israelis have a cultural advantage when it comes to uh, making money, doesn't doesn't seem to know that they know how to add and subtract. That gap, that ten percent cost. Let me compare that with the size of our military. Our military budget is four percent. Our gap with Israel is ten points of GDP. We have to find ways not just to provide health care to more people, but to find ways to finally manage our health care costs. Israel has a national health insurance law. Every Israeli citizen is entitled to health care services. Every resident has a right to register as a member of an HMO of his choice, free of any preconditions or limitations stemming from his age or the state of his health. In other words, no preconditions, prec- uh, um, rejections, assured access. Every resident has the right to receive. All the services, including in the medical services basket. This is all government mandated. He, oh, and you also have a mandate to buy insurance. Every member has a right to receive the health services while preserving the member's dignity and privacy of medical confidentiality. Each member has the right to select service providers. Each member has a right to know which hospitals and institutes and other service providers are included in the agreement. Each member has a right to receive a copy of the HMO regulations. They have a right to file suit at the district labor court. On and on and on, there are price controls, government mandated price controls. We should be so lucky to have their health insurance program. So I guess for Romney, you either got to live in Massachusetts. To get those type of mandates, or you have to be culturally ready to accept them. Hi, I'm Sam Cedar. You may know me from my shows on Air America Radio, from filling in for Keith Olbermann on Countdown, or even, God forbid, my directing shows like Comedy Central's I'm with Busey. If not, you should really get to know me. Not personally, of course, I think we'd both find that uncomfortable. But if you're a fan of the best of the left like me, I think you'll enjoy my daily live show and podcast, The Majority Report, at majority.fm. It's a daily dose of political news, analysis, and guests like Chris Hayes, Robert Reich, Digby. Comedians like Mark Marin, Janine Garofalo, filmmakers like Morgan Spurlock and Lucy Walker, and on occasion, between my rants on raising taxes, ending wars, and decorporatizing our democracy, I can be mildly amusing. I'm unbought and unbossed daily on the Majority Report at Majority.fm.
5: We've been hearing from Republicans the idea that Obamacare, as a result of the Supreme Court saying that it is essentially a tax for legal purposes, the Republican meme now is that this is one of the biggest tax increases from President Obama. It's a huge tax hike, especially for the middle class. Obama's a tax raiser, tax raiser, tax raiser. It turns out it's not the case, Lewis. Are you surprised or you, when you hear Republicans say a Democrat is raising taxes on them? Do you always assume it's true? I assume they're lying or misinformed. Oh, is that that's usually your assumption? Yes. Okay. Well let's look at the information. According to So what's the argument? The argument is people will have to pay a penalty for not having health care, and therefore that is a tax. It is indistinguishable from a tax. It will be an IRS transaction. It is a tax and a lot of people will be taxed. The reality though is that according to a report from Families USA, twenty-eight point six million Americans, most of them middle class, are actually going to get tax cuts under the Affordable Care Act because they will be able to enter the health care exchanges they'll be able to receive affordability credits and its it's really the exact opposite it's not just slightly askew from what Republicans are telling you it's the exact opposite ladies and gentlemen 28.6 million Americans will be eligible for tax credits in 2014 and the total value of those credits is estimated to be about hundred and ten point one billion dollars. These are going to provide assistance for families who need to pay premiums, underinsured people who need help buying coverage that would be completely out of reach financially otherwise. And most of the families, contrary to popular belief, who are eligible for these credits are employed. This idea, Lewis, that it's people with no jobs that are just sitting around, lazily, reading Karl Marx and uh you know faking birth certificates are getting free government health care or money from the government for health care, false. Almost everybody's working. Right. Because people want to work. That's the reality. Uh, people who have incomes between two and four times poverty, so between forty four thousand one hundred and eighty-eight thousand two hundred dollars for a family of four based on twenty ten guidelines also are going to be eligible uh, eligible for tax credits. so let's be honest if you're making fifty thousand dollars and you have a family of four it's probably logical that you aren't necessarily given the huge increase in premiums going to be able to afford good coverage perfectly logical you're hard-working you're working to feed your family you're working to provide health care for your family. your family you're working to put food on your family no question about it you, you deserve these credits and it's not People sitting around, like I said, not doing anything. And it's certainly not all liberals, because when we look state by state, and we'll do this analysis soon, it's actually the conservative states most likely to have opposed this type of uh legislation and specifically the Affordable Care Act, who will most benefit, who citizens will most benefit from uh residents will most both most benefit from this.
4: I wish I knew how to behave like a human. I wish I knew more than my father before me. If you were. The
8: The Onion Radio News. A new prescription only sandwich is extra delicious. This is Doyle Redland reporting. International drug giant Pfizer formally introduced Hogazine today, a pharmaceutical grade turkey bacon guacamole melt so delicious it's only available by prescription. Made with lean white turkey breast, hickory smoked bacon, zesty guacamole, Boston leaf lettuce and ripe tomatoes on a crusty French bread, Hogazine is indicated in the treatment of lunchtime satisfaction dysfunction. But a According to Pfizer's head of product development, Stephen Spencer,
3: Hogazine is only available after consultation with a physician, so be sure to ask your doctor if this new sandwich is right for you.
8: Although most insurance companies are expected to cover Hogazine, many physicians will continue to recommend that their patients stick to over-the-lunch-counter sandwiches. Doyle Redlin for The Onion Radio News. Online at the... But you
6: know that she's watching she's laughing, she's turning, she's holding her tonic like a cross the room's suddenly spinning, she walks up and asks how you are so you can smell her perfume, you can see her lying naked in your arms
9: Virginia is thinking about privatizing one of their mental health facilities it's ironically known as uh, the Virginia Center for Behavioral Rehabilitation and they house 300 uh, sexual predators in their facility. Now, the reason why this facility is making news today is because they're thinking of privatizing it and uh right now Geo Group and also Liberty Healthcare Group are in a bit of a battle to take over the facility. This is disastrous for a number of different reasons. Several states in the U.S., including Virginia, have something known as uh, civil commitment. And civil commitment basically means that if a sexual offender is in prison and serves his or her term, but the state still deems that individual a violent sexual predator, they can remain in the facility indefinitely. So all of these private prisons are now thinking, Cha-Ching, we can make a ton of money off of keeping these uh sexual predators in prison as long as we want.
11: So now let's talk about a number of downsides here. Uh number one, they have an incentive now not to rehabilitate them, in fact to treat them as badly as possible so they can turn around and go see they're not cured, so you gotta keep them in here longer so I can make more money off of them. And then number two, if they're in any way, shape, or form Involved in determining whether they stay in or not, and they have a profit motive for them to stay in longer, well, of course they're going to make them stay in longer. So we can't turn over people and say, all right, look, uh, go ahead and take care of them. I know you're going to make a profit if they don't get better, but try to make them better. And of course, the private corporations involved here say, oh, no, no, no. Out of the goodness of our heart, of course we would try to give them the best therapy possible. Okay, come on come on come on! Come on. Yeah. No person in their right mind that has a shred of logic can possibly believe that. And then uh, the third element of this is it's going to encourage them to go by lawmakers to make tougher sex offender laws. Now, if you're going to make them tougher in regards to uh, you know child molestation, etc, we're 100 percent with you. I already think they should be tougher. I don't know why those guys ever get up, right? So uh, we might be draconian in our opinions of how child, uh, you know, molestation ch- uh, cases should be treated, right? I-, I think a life sentence is often warranted, depending on the circumstances, obviously, right? But that's not what I'm worried about. I'm worried at- about it. Oh, you know what? Since they're making so much money this way, let's say that if you're a 17-year-old in high school and you hooked up with your 16-year-old girlfriend. Whoops, uh, we just passed a law saying that's illegal because she's underage, and off you go, you're a sex offender, and you're never gonna get out of that privately run prison system. Now you think, oh, that's crazy, that can't happen. Except it has happened in the past. Famous case in Georgia with a seventeen and a fifteen year old, and many other cases across the country. And if they have a financial motive to increase who they call a sex offender, believe me. A lot more people who are having perfectly normal sex all of a sudden are gonna be offenders that they just golly gee could never get out of prison. What other element to this story? Mm-hmm. So how are they getting this as, as a possibility when it turns out that they didn't even have legislative hearings on this and that the public hasn't really been made aware until this new story broke? Well, well golly gee, they uh wound up being able to do an unsolicited offer for this facility they happened to have given uh, Republican Governor Bob McDonald $28,000 and they were one of his largest single contributors to his campaign but that's probably a coincidence and OGEO oh, care which is that specific unit of GEO that uh, does this kind of imprisonment uh spent more than $13,000 lobbying specifically on uh related to the sex offender facility over the past 2 years now to me I'm always shocked at how cheap our politicians are and how easily they can be bought with such little money but still 28,000 apparently is one of the largest contributions Bob McDonald got uh, to his uh, campaign these politicians getting all this money from this group could it affect their decision to secretly give them this thing without even hearings even Republicans are saying I didn't, I never even heard about this some of the state legislators because there wasn't any hearings on it is it related? Of course, of course it's related. You think it's just a wild coincidence that the governor's co- top contributor happens to be in line to get a, a fat contract with prison population that apparently they're going to make money on for the rest of their lives? If you think that's a coincidence, you're a giant sucker. This is exactly how private corporations buy our government and use it for their own purposes, and this is particularly dangerous because they're making money off of imprisoning us, thereby giving them huge motive to imprison more of us.
14: Two years ago this month, if you had cancer or a chronic condition of some kind that made it hard for you to get health insurance, because you had a pre-existing condition, starting two years ago this month, you finally got some help in the United States of America. They set up these these new high-risk insurance pools that you could get into at a reasonable cost even if you had a pre-existing condition. That was new, and that was July a couple of years ago. By September that same year, for the first time, it became illegal for insurance companies in this coverage, insurance companies in this this country, uh, to refuse to cover a child on the basis of that child having a pre-existing condition. And by September that same year, September 2010, young people were allowed to stay on their parents' insurance plans until age 26. That was also brand new, starting two years ago in September. In September of 2010, it also became illegal for your insurance company to drop you to cancel your coverage because you had the audacity to actually try to use your insurance because you filed a claim. Starting that same month, your insurance company stopped being able to put a lifetime limit on you in terms of what they would spend on you for your healthcare needs. So if you get really sick, your insurance company no longer gets to say, too bad, we know you paid for this coverage and everything, but we think we've spent enough money on you and your illness already, so die already, you're on your own. Also, starting in September 2010, it became a new rule that if you were paying for health insurance in this country, That insurance has to cover some preventive services like uh, mammograms and colonoscopies without charging you extra for those services. If you have insurance, those life-saving and frankly money-saving things are covered without you having to pay extra in the form of a copayment or a deductible. That all happened in 2010, within months of health reform passing Congress and being signed into law by President Obama. Then, last year, improvements to medicare so seniors would start getting free preventive health care through medicare and last year insurance companies for the first time were required to spend eighty to eighty five percent of your money of the money that you pay them in premiums on your health care instead of on marketing or ceo bonuses or whatever if they don't spend eighty to eighty five percent of what you pay them in premiums on actual health care they have to refund you they have to pay you back that part of the health reform law took effect last year Which means that right now, this year, millions of people and businesses are starting to get checks in the mail from their health insurance companies because the insurance company did not in fact spend enough of their money on their health care. So people are getting a refund. Insurance companies are paying out over a billion dollars in refund checks this year because they didn't spend enough of what you paid them in premiums on actual health care. Starting a few months from now, on January 1st, there's also going to be expanded preventive healthcare for people on Medicaid. And there will be higher payments to primary care doctors who treat people on Medicaid. And by the year after that, January 1st, 2014, for the first time it will be illegal for insurance companies to deny coverage to anyone, not just kids, but anyone with a pre-existing medical condition. It will also be illegal for insurance companies to charge women more for health insurance just because they're women. And beyond just the lifetime caps on your coverage, insurance companies will also then not be allowed to set a yearly cap, a year-to-year cap on what they are willing to spend on your health care. And that's the evil Obamacare. Sounds awful, right? Evil health reform, doesn't it sound terrifying, like it's gonna reach out and grab your ankles when you get out of bed in the morning? That's what Republicans keep voting to repeal. That's what Mitt Romney says he will definitely get rid of starting day one if you vote for him for president. But you know, there's another piece of health reform that goes into effect tomorrow. Starting tomorrow, August 1st, if you have health insurance, you will be able to get for free, under your insurance, a whole bunch of preventive care designed to help women. Starting tomorrow, new and renewed health plans are required to cover, without co-payments or deductibles or anything, required to cover a whole host of preventive care for women, Smears to detect cervical cancer, to STD screenings, to other kinds of cancer screenings, to gestational diabetes testing if you're pregnant, uh, to breastfeeding supplies if you're a new mom, to, of course, the star of this year's loudest and longest I can't believe it's the 21st century controversy yes, birth control, covered without a co payment and without a deductible. And so today, on the eve literally the eve, it starts tomorrow, the eve of this new wave of free preventive coverage for American women that starts up under the health reform law. Democrats have been doing a bit of a victory lap. Democrats today talking up not just the new stuff that takes effect tomorrow, but all of the life-saving preventive coverage that insurance companies are now required to provide for women thanks to health reform.
10: During the health care debate, we wanted to do two things. We wanted to be able to save lives And save money. One of the most important tools we women have is mammograms. But in the midst of the healthcare debate, they wanted to take our
14: mammograms away from us. Well, hey, (laughs) not while I'm here. Senator Barbara Mikulski of Maryland speaking today at a Democratic press conference about what women frankly, are going to be able to get now thanks to health reform and thanks to the fight that it took Democrats to get it passed with zero Republican votes. I just want you to watch, watch this. I don't think this has been picked up anywhere else today, at least that I know of. But this is, this is Senator Tom Harkin of Iowa also speaking today, and I think this was remarkable. This is him talking about this in really, really personal terms. Watch.
15: I lost both my sisters to breast cancer, my only two sisters, at a fairly young age. When my older sister, Mary died, and we went to her funeral, her younger sister, Sylvia, was there and had no idea that she also had breast cancer. Within two years, she was dead also. And they left young families. They lived in rural areas, small towns. They didn't have any money. They didn't really have health care coverage. For them to go to get a checkup would have cost money. Money that they could ill afford at that time. They had a number of kids. And as I said, they didn't have a lot of money. They didn't have health care benefits. Often they would have been different if they could have had this available to them. Early checkups, early screenings. But for both of them it was way too late by the time they discovered it. So this has a very personal poignant meaning to me. And I just hope that women in this country now will take advantage of this and will now go and get those annual screenings and get those checkups. Early detection, early detection we know works and millions of lives can be saved. And as Senator Mikulski said, families, families, will not have to lose a parent or a sister because of of breast cancer or cervical cancer, all the others. So when I hear Republicans say, and they still say that they want to repeal this, and they want to take this away from women, I stand with Senator Mikulski, not as long as we're
6: here.
14: Senator Tom Harkin of Iowa speaking today about The kinds of cancer screenings and preventive care that health insurance companies, as of tomorrow, are required to provide to American women at no cost, saying it's the kind of care that could have saved his own two sisters' lives. That's what Democrats were talking about today, about the benefits that women are getting starting tomorrow thanks to health reform the benefits they are about to get thanks to the democratic fight for health reform which republicans opposed and so naturally today on the eve of those new benefits kicking in for women senate republicans again tried to repeal health reform
15: i think given the fact that our friends on the other side are going to focus on that bill this particular week it might be a good idea to have a vote on it because i think it would be appropriate to have a vote on the repeal of Obamacare.
14: Republican Senate leader Mitch McConnell asking today on the eve of all these brand new women's health benefits kicking in on that occasion, specifically for that occasion, calling for a vote to repeal the law that made those benefits possible. The Republicans' proposal did not go over well in the Senate today.
9: I am stunned <laughs> that on the eve of the broadest increase in benefits In my lifetime, the Republicans want to repeal these benefits from women. This is a continuation on their part of the war on women. And they can get up and stand on their head and deny it and everything else. How else can you explain why on the eve of the day that the women are going to get all these benefits, they want to now cancel Obamacare? And stop all this from happening. You know, every senator has to
10: decide what they are going to do that day uh, when they wake up in the morning. Um, and for some in this chamber, they wake up every day thinking about how they're going to stop President Obama, how they're going to stop his agenda, and how they're going to do everything they can to stop him from having a second term. People will come to this floor, and they'll pound their chest and complain about the president. We want to
14: pound the table and make sure that women have gotten the health care they need. Senators Barbara Mikulski and Barbara Boxer. So, so on, the, on the Senate side... The Republicans picked the fact that tens of millions of American women are about to get access to free cancer screenings tomorrow as the occasion to try to stop that from happening. That's how it happened in the Senate today. You saw the reaction from the Democrats in the Senate. On the House side, Republicans picked that same occasion, that same day in Congress today. What do you think? Jobs, jobs, jobs? No, uh, of course not. They're voting on yet another new federal anti-abortion bill today. Because there isn't anything else to work on, House Republicans today voted on a new abortion ban, specifically for Washington, D.C., a new ban that breaks new ground even for these Republicans by making sure that rape victims and incest victims are not exempted from the new ban. So if a rapist impregnates you in the District, district of Columbia, the Republicans' new law could ensure that even you are forced by the government to complete the pregnancy that is the result of the rape and give birth to the rapist child against your will. If the pregnancy falls within new, narrowly defined parameters, parameters narrowly defined by House Republicans, 222 co-sponsors. For the Republicans, let's specifically punish the rape victims and incest victims new D.C. abortion ban bill, 222. Because of the way the Republicans brought up their anti-rape victim and incest victims anti-abortion bill today, uh, they needed a two-thirds majority for it to pass. They did not get that two-thirds majority, and it did not pass. But voting on yet another anti-abortion bill is the way Republicans in Congress today celebrated the fact that women all across the country tomorrow are going to get new free access to reproductive health care and cancer screenings and contraception and even breastfeeding supplies for new moms thanks to the health reform law passed by the Democrats that the Republicans are still trying to get rid of. How's that gender gap looking for the election in November? Even Republicans in Congress are complaining about how this looks for them. Ahead of today's vote, anonymous Republicans talked to BuzzFeed's John Stanton uh, about what bad messaging they thought this all was. Quote, leadership told us that the get out of town week messaging was stop the tax hike. It baffles many of us that they would muddy that messaging by scheduling an abortion bill vote. Quote, Obama raising taxes is supposed to be the message of the week, not this. You know, for a while there, the Republicans actually did have their messaging sort of under control. Even while they were constantly working on anti-abortion legislation, they weren't talking about it. They were at least talking about jobs, jobs, jobs and tax cuts. But now, kablooey, it has blown up. This week, the Republicans who are the ones talking about jobs and tax cuts are the ones whispering and complaining anonymously to the press. While it's the Republican leader of the United States Senate trying to schedule a vote to repeal women's health benefits, and in the House they actually did hold a floor vote on Congress forcing rape victims and incest victims to give birth against their will because Republicans in Congress say they should.
12: Hold. said I could
10: not that. Got that. With the uh, ruling from the Supreme Court uh, several weeks ago saying that states can opt out of Medicaid expansion for I, uh, God knows what reason uh it was a fairly ridiculous ruling but nevertheless and uh we know that at least uh 10 or 11 maybe up to 16 have signaled that they won't there's about 7 or 8 I think who have vowed that they won't republican governors saying they're not going to let the federal government push them around and provide health insurance for uh poor people there at what would be ultimately probably a savings for the states. Federal government uh gonna fund a hundred percent of it for the first couple of years, scaling back to ninety percent of full funding from the federal government. And that other ten percent would probably be offset by the fact that the state wouldn't have to deal with all the implications of having so many people uninsured. And aside from the uh political aspects of it and the cost aspects of it a new study published a wednesday online in the new england journal of medicine by some harvard researchers no slouches up there found that when states expanded their medicaid programs and gave more people health insurance this is gonna come as a shock to you Fewer people died. Surprise! Surprise! And apparently, there's just not been many studies about this. It's very hard to sort of control the experiment. It was conducted by researchers from Harvard School of Public Health. They analyzed data from three states that had expanded their programs in the last decade to cover a population not normally eligible for Medicaid. You'll recall Republicans were crying about this. Recently, it provided low-income adults without children or disabilities uh, Medicare, uh, Medicaid coverage. Researchers looked at mortality rates in those states—New York, Maine, and Arizona—five years before and after the Medicaid expansions, and compared them with those in four nor- neighboring states: Pennsylvania, Nevada, New Mexico, and New Hampshire. They controlled for all other social and economic factors. And they found that the Medicaid expansions were associated with a decline of 6.1% in deaths, or about 2,800 deaths per year for every 500,000 adults added. It was greatest among non whites and people living in poorer counties, groups most affected by the ex- extended care. There is another study being done by the same group in Oregon. Oregon expanded its Medicaid program in 2008, but without money to cover everyone at first, they chose 10,000 people by lottery. They compared those uh, who got Medicaid with those who did not, and so far, and these results are not conclusive, found that Medicaid recipients see doctors more often and report better health and better financial stability. Medicaid works. It's going to suffer a, uh, a financial problem because of the increase in health costs. Let's put it this way it's not going to suffer any more of a financial uh, implosion. In fact, it will suffer less of one than the private health insurance industry because the costs of medicine are rising. Both for private insurers and for public insurers like Medicaid and Medicare. They happen to be rising faster at a faster rate for private insurers because, of course, uh, Medicaid and Medicare have the capacity to slow the costs of medicine in a way that private insurers do not. So it's not just about the federal government pushing me around. I'm not going to allow it in some of these states. It's also. I don't care if poor people die. Freedom.
13: Freedom.
7: Hi Jay, Tim from Hyattville, Maryland again. I just wanted to express that I really appreciated your show on religion, which I just listened to yesterday, the most recent one on religion and some of its fiascos. I caution you though to not assume that lefties are automatically anti-religious. I consider myself not an atheist. I don't like the word agnostic because it's a little bit a little bit too often used. However, I sort of uh, endear what Bertrand Russell had said about atheism. In any event, my own background is I did work with Mother Teresa in Calcutta. I also went to a Catholic theology school. Uh, however, the, uh, the the worst representatives of religion are also some of those most outspoken about it. My my father-in-law, for example, who is a classic example of of exalting himself he shall be and is now being humbled i'm sure i guess that what it all amounts to is what someone had said a long time ago that uh... man has certainly created god in his image i do respect some religious people profoundly one of whom is not mother teresa incidentally but some theologians i respect many of those who are the largest uh... uh... pronouncers of religion are the ones who uh, are the worst representatives thereof keep up the good work and uh... Keep, I'll keep listening to you. Thanks. Bye-bye.
16: Hey, Jay. It's Craig from Ohio. Long-time listener, infrequent caller. Very infrequent. But I just had to give you a call because of something that you you touched on in your show about the Republican Party and the current state of politics. Maybe it was a week and a half, two weeks ago. I'm a little behind on my listening. Um, but the question or someone wrote in and suggested that more of us should vote for third parties. And you neatly summarized, I think, the argument that most annoys me when I hear it discussed on shows like The Young Turks, The Majora Report, which is basically the um, that it's an emotional response as if that or as if there's no um, arguments reason reasonable or i wouldn't there's no arguments on the other side that are strategic that are about the politics rather um, it's just something that is an, is an emotional response, and I find that argument to be extremely condescending and super annoying every time I hear it, because I feel like I have um, very, you know, I, I follow politics obsessively, and I'm sure a lot of us do, and we have very, um, oh, defined opinions about uh, what would be best uh, going forward in the country. And things like saying it's an emotional response on the other side is condescending, and it suggests and it's just an assertion it's not reality we're going to find out whether it was a good idea or a bad idea uh, to have reelected barack obama in four years i think it's looking like he's going to win uh, but that's not set in stone and you may not be right so to say that it's an emotional that that you're the people arguing against you are just arguing based on emotion uh, is really dismissive and it doesn't take into account the fact that we thought about this too and we think it might be better in four years If Mitt Romney was president, not Barack Obama, so um, I'm I haven't decided I'm going to vote for yet. (laughs) So I I can imagine blood is boiling out there at this moment. Um, I may yet vote for Obama, but it's a strategic conversation or it's a a conversation about strategy that I think we should have, and not dismiss each other's points of view. So thanks very much. Have a great day. Bye.
0: Thanks for listening, everyone. and Thanks to all those who called into the voicemail line. If you would like to leave a comment, question, or activist call to action yourself to be played on the show, the number to dial is 206-202-3410. So I love when I get calls like the last one I just played from people who think they have a really strong disagreement with me on something. Only to find out when I respond that the disagreement is not nearly as strong as they thought it was, you know, because it gives me an opportunity to clarify something that was obviously, uh, you know, understood in a way other than I intended it. So Craig is referring to a commentary I did uh, a couple episodes back about third party voting. And I will actually concede that I may have made it sound as though I believed that the only reason to vote for a third party was emotional, and that is absolutely not what I intended. So Craig did a really good job of breaking down the two basic ways by which people come to their conclusion on on how to cast their vote, emotionally and strategically. And I was making the point previously as sort of a blanket statement that votes should not be cast emotionally and should be cast strategically. However, it is really easy to accidentally conflate a dismissive attitude towards voting emotionally and a dismissive attitude towards uh, people voting for third parties because those two different things are often, although obviously, but based on Craig's voicemail, not always, one and the same. So, It is clearly true that many people choose to vote for third parties for strategic reasons, and what I believe I said before was that I simply wanted to hear what those strategies were rather than hearing the emotional side of the argument. Because in in my experience, that is more often what I hear. I do more often hear the the emotional side of the reasoning behind uh, voting for third parties. So as I see it, there are basically two arguments that are made for the effect of a vote. The most obvious, of course, is that a vote cast for a candidate will increase the chances of that candidate winning. And the other is that the vote cast will send a message to someone, somehow, in some nebulous sort of way, and then they will get that message and react to it. And those who vote for third parties are usually not delusional, so they don't necessarily think that their candidate's likely to win. So what they do often say is that they're casting a vote in order to send a message and you know i'm open to the idea of that being effective in some way or another but i have never heard anyone articulate an argument for why that would actually work based on any evidence historical or otherwise i just i, I i've never understood what the message is that's being sent and how people are going to react to it it's you know it, it's it's sort of a, an article of faith that is just put out there I'm sending a message and they're going to get that message, and I'm sending good vibes out into the universe, that sort of thing. And so, until I hear a good argument to back up the strategy of sending a message with a vote, then the only arguments that really hold water for me are the ones that say, uh, you know, my vote cast in this way will give, you know, uh, uh, this candidate, it'll increase their chances that they will win or it'll decrease the chances that their opponent will win. And, and that's it. You know, very pragmatic way of, of thinking about voting. So from that point, talking about voting and the actual logistical effects of your vote, from that point, we can have a discussion on a totally level playing ground about strategy for the progressive movement as a whole. So just like Craig, that's a conversation I would be happy to have and is exactly the conversation I was trying to foster when I wasn't nearly clear enough about what I was trying to say on this topic before. So, hopefully, that clarifies my position on this at least a little bit. And, you know, I mean, Craig and I still may very much disagree on our ultimate strategy for the progressive movement. I am certainly nowhere near believing that the country or the world would be better off with Romney as president for four years. But that is a conversation I would be happy to have. And I I certainly would not come to that conversation with the mindset that the person I'm debating came to their decisions based on childish emotional reasoning rather than having put thought into it themselves. I certainly understand that people who disagree with me on strategy have still put the thought in. So that's it for today. Thanks to everyone for listening and thanks to those who support the show by becoming a member or making one-time donations to the show. That is absolutely how the show survives. Of course, everyone can support the show just by telling everyone you know about it and by spreading the word of individual clips you particularly like through your social networks that can be done through the website itself. Stay tuned into the show between episodes by joining up with us on Facebook and Twitter. And for details on the show itself, including links to all of the sources and music used in this and every episode, all that information is always posted in the show notes on the blog. So coming to you from inside the Beltway yet outside the conventional wisdom of Washington, D.C., my name is Jay, and this has been the Best of the Left podcast coming to you every third day thanks entirely to the members and donors to the show from bestoftheleft.com.
4: Take you out in the open